Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. Well, good morning, church. Another long weekend for us all. An exciting time to be together. We've been in a three-part series called The Great Questions of Life, deep-rooted theological questions that you often hear in conversations when it comes to religion, faith, God, Jesus Christ, and you. How do we not only think about and process this information, but how do we articulate the deep-founded truths found in results of pondering these questions, exploring these questions. And over this three-part series, we looked at identity. And I think back through the generations or the decades of the decades of my lifespan, how often my identity has shifted from baby to child to teenager, Lord help us all, young adults or collegiates, a husband, a father, a pastor, Identity that shifts and changes, but one that ultimately stays the same when I became a follower of Jesus at the age of 15 and had that of Christian. A Christian identity deeply rooted in the gospel message and set free from the bondage of my sin for what Jesus did on the cross. A beautiful thing, a beautiful place to find and hold your identity. Last week we looked at authority. That there's all things that drive our attention, our focus, our convictions, our emotions. Things that sway us one way or the other. But ultimately, it comes down to the question of, what does God's word say about it? What does the Holy Spirit prompt you to understand about God's perspective, not that of your own? And this week, we're going to peel back the layers and we're going to ask the question about our destination. Or where am I going? That this eternity that's embedded in you and I, it's going to be a result of heaven or hell? Which is it? Can't neglect one or the other. We have to be quite aware of what it is. And as I think about our culture and society, I think about how much or how interesting it is that embedded deep within us is this overwhelming fascination of immortality. You can pick up a book, you can turn on the TV, you can watch a movie, whatever it is that might highlight and make us think longer than this life provides. You look to Hollywood, you find things like vampires, or the search for the Holy Grail, comic book heroes, time travel, If you die, if you lose your life and the valor of battle, we'll just piece you back together with robotical parts and you'll live forever. Voila, magic happens. And life continues to be as it exists. Back in the day, I was a soccer player. That might come to a shock to a lot of you. But in high school, my head soccer coach, his name was Zar Konima. And he was from Kenya, Africa, an all-American soccer player at Indiana Wesleyan University and became my high school soccer coach. And Coach Konima had a lot of sayings. He was famous for them, kind of like these African proverbs. And often he'd make us run and then run some more and run and run again. And after we're done running, we're going to run some more. 
And would you believe it that some of us teenagers had the capacity to complain to our coach? Coach, it's hot out here. We've been practicing for three hours. We've already ran five miles. And he'd look at us, and one of those African proverbs, he's like, boys, everyone wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. If there's no pain, there's no gain. I think that could preach. I like the words of John Doan who said this, No man has ever seen God and lived, yet I shall never live until I see my God. So today, I want to dig into this profound question of where am I going? Where am I going after this life? So if you don't know where you're going, any road's going to take you there. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. According to the Word of God, to understand Christianity in its fullness, the most important question you need to answer first is that of your destination. Your destiny. You start with the end in mind. I'm a child of the King. I'm going to be going home, and this place is not it. So let's unpack that, if you will. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Paul said in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above, not the things that you see day to day. So what does this look like? I don't think Hollywood or our wildest imaginations can get this right. We often depict heaven as fluffy clouds, little cupids with teeny tiny wings, whispers and calm, golden walkways like the yellow brick road in Wizard of Oz. I don't think we do it justice. Or maybe heaven is going to be like a big old long worship service on a Sunday morning. And all God's people said, Amen! Truth be told, sometimes we have trouble making it through an hour, let alone eternity in that setting. I think it's a terrible way to depict perfection in the presence of our King. Heaven is mentioned over 500 times in Scripture because, frankly, I believe it's a big deal to God. A bigger picture than the life that is before us. But we also must recognize that the Bible continually reminds us, continually warns us of a place called hell. There's over 162 references in the New Testament alone which warn of hell. And catch this, over 70 of these references were uttered by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, of saying there's a real place. If you're not set free from the bondage of your sin, it's eternal death. Don't go there. It scares me to read in an article from 2009 Barna study, which does church statistics, that four out of ten Christians, that's 40%, strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but just merely a symbol of evil in the world around us. It's a bit shocking. I wonder... What statistic we have represented in our congregation? That is Satan just this figurative evil of moral ethics? Or is it a fallen angel 
that turned his back against his heavenly father, that wanted to wreak havoc across the world, that hates you and I because we're made in the image of God, more like the creator than he himself, and he wants to be all-powerful. Hell's a real place, and Satan wreaks havoc in the world around us. So a simple question, but a deep question, where are you going? Heaven or hell? Because I believe and contend that both are a very real place and one that we ought to be aware of. So I could preach a sermon on hell, I could preach a sermon on heaven, but I want to be a little more positive today, if you will. So I want to shed a light on heaven, this deep-rooted question on what is the aim of God's people to spend eternity with Him? to worship Him with every breath, every ounce of our being, to glorify Him in all we say and do. Let us focus on that. But it becomes the hard reality of how do we receive something that we cannot earn? How do we embrace perfection as imperfect people? People with sin in our lives. And the Scriptures tell us that that separates us from the God that created us, gave us breath in our lungs, and loves us. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Heaven is only experienced because of forgiveness. It's the only way. Not earning it, not buying it, not being rewarded it, merely by forgiveness. It's a love story. God's love story of grace and mercy. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So Jesus is the answer, and his message was about forgiveness and grace. So the main point to ponder when we ask the question, where are you going? Do you believe Jesus is really who he said he is? Do you believe the gospel truth that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the world? And do you believe that his death is the means that you can truly be forgiven? It's good to let that soak in sometimes. And to be reminded that our life came with a price. That eternity is marred by our Savior's blood. That He shed that for you and I. It's a good reminder. And it becomes very practical. Mark eleven twenty five 25 paints this big picture. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's no beating around the bush in Scripture. This is a declaration. We are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Yet there is a great hope that can only be found through that of Jesus Christ. So the second thing that I would like us to embrace about eternity is represented now and it is forever. So let me ask you this questions. 
Let me ask you this question. How many times do we get wrapped up in the winds of life? Not W-I-N-S, W-H-E-N-S. The winds, the what-ifs. What do I mean? I personally get caught in this all the time because often I find that my perspective in life is shaped by emotion and experience, by memories. Many of you have heard me talk about my best friend Jason that died at 32 of pancreatic cancer. He was too young. This is a thought, emotion of the when. All of us are plagued with the question towards how many years will I live? Is this diagnosis or illness going to be the end of me? When will the Lord come again? These are all valid yet very tough questions. But let me give you this. Eternity for you and I has already started. When God knit you together in your mother's womb, when he breathed life into your very being, he embedded in us a part of him that will last forever. Immortality means without death. And for the believer, we say something a bit like this. Through all of life's sorrows and despairs, I will not be moved. When facing death, I need not fear. I have this hope secured. Because Christ died at Calvary, sin has on me no claim. Because he overcame the grave, with him I will be raised. Where, O grave, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Eternity is won for me by heaven's eternal king. On that glorious final day, I will not sleep or fade, but gazing on his nail-pierced hands, I'll instantly be changed. Where, O grave, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Eternity is won for me by heaven's eternal king. Robed with immortality, before his throne will sing, at last reflecting perfectly the glory of our king. Where, O grave, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Eternity is won for me by heaven's eternal king. Or as scripture declares it, Proverbs 12, 28, In the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54, So when this corruptible has but an incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then our conversation carries us to our scripture reading this morning, found in Luke chapter 24. Jesus stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. The context, they just watched him die. They just saw him crucified. He's been in the grave for three days and he shows up right then and there. He just simply shows up, present amongst them. They were startled and they were frightened, rightfully so. I think I'd be a little freaked out. Thinking they saw a ghost and Jesus says to them, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? 
And then he invited them, look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. Where, O grave, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? For there is victory in my king. The story goes on. And if you read later into verse 41, he says, Do you have something to eat? And they give him some fish and Jesus eats. What's so important in this time is not just the presence of Jesus. I mean, that was huge, right? Huge to see our resurrected Lord and Savior right then and there. But already he's still in the mode of teaching, teaching eternal truth. And Jesus is trying to help them understand a little glimpse of what heaven will be like. And it's an incredible moment in Scripture. God is helping us understand that our resurrected body after we die is a very real one. And if it's true for Jesus, it'll be true for you and I. And this often gets missed in Scripture. Heaven isn't going to be some Casper moment where we're floating around singing Kumbaya. It's going to be a real place with real people, an amazing God that dearly loves you and I. Perfection. So in heaven, the Bible says we will have a body. Not this 40-year-old one with aches and pains and a few too many kilos, but rather it's going to be a glorified one. Sounds kind of nice. Somehow, in some incredible God way, our physical self comes into contact with the spiritual him, the spiritual God, and something incredible happens. And when I think about heaven, when I talk about heaven, when I preach about heaven, I haven't been there. But the Bible is pretty clear of this. Heaven will be more material than you and I think. More tangible, more feeling, more emotion, more expression, more love, more perfection. And be a whole lot more spiritual than you and I can even comprehend. And I say heaven is for real. That's my sincere conviction that eternity, eternal life, given through the cross of Jesus Christ, makes it all possible. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 says this, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Sounds pretty good to me. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into that of immortal. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you going? 2 Timothy 1.10, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Folks, the Bible says in Romans 8, We look forward to the day when we will join God's children in glorious freedom. Freedom from death and decay. Many of you have followed and read a lot of C.S. Lewis's work. And he once said this. He said, since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world, they have become so ineffective in this one. That's confronting. It's convicting. But it's also inspiring. 
to say, let us not fall into that trap. Let us be Christ followers who make a difference and may the Lord lead us every step of the way. Folks, heaven is for real. And I sure hope I get to spend eternity there with each and every one of you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for being a God that receives and responds to our tough questions. God, that I think over these three weeks, we've merely just scratched the surface. That each and every one of us have plenty of questions we'd like to ask you face to face right now and today. Things we don't understand, things that have wounded us and hurt us deeply. God, an outcry of our heart to say we just need more of you. God, thank you for being big enough to handle all of our tough questions. And might we fully come to you and surrender and listen and obey to every response in which you offer. But God, I pray this morning as we ponder this question, where am I going? Where is my destination? God, help us fix our eyes on eternity with you. Help us not neglect the cross of your son, Jesus. And might we receive that and your forgiveness and grow in our love and praise of you with every breath that we have. Holy Spirit, help us to glorify you in all things that we say and all things that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.